How many of you know he's got a fresh word for us today as well? Amen. I'm thankful and glad that you've come to hear that word. Not my word, but God's word. And I'm thankful that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Tonight we are continuing our series in the Beatitudes, which is the beginning portion of God's or Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. Before we get going, we'll pray one more time and ask the Lord to bless our time together. Amen. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your mercies, which are new every morning, your loving kindness, which endures from generation to generation. I thank you for that fresh touch that we can experience from you each and every day and each and every moment in our life. So, God, we ask for that fresh fall tonight, that fresh anointing, Father God, a fresh word, a fresh revelation, Lord God. I just pray that you would just be upon your people this evening. Give me the words to speak, Lord God. Give your people ears to hear and hearts to listen. Give us the courage. Courage, Father God, to to follow your words and do what we hear this evening, Lord God. Come against every hindrance and every distraction, the frustrations of the week, Lord God, the, the enemy that would come and try to snatch away, Father God, the seeds of salvation, God, and let every word find a place, Lord God, a fertile place within the soil of our soul. We thank you for your Holy Spirit and for your word in Jesus name. Amen. As you know, in Matthew chapter 5, this is, the word of the, this is the word of the Lord. And it says, And seeing the multitude, he, Jesus, went up onto a mountain, or into a mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth, and he taught them. How many of you are ready to draw near to God tonight? Amen. You know, the key to the disciples' blessedness came with their willingness to draw near to him. I'm thankful that you decided to draw near tonight. And he opened his mouth and he taught them after they came to him, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, which we learned was the character of Christ, for they will be filled with the character of Christ. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And tonight we will look at blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. How many of you are looking forward to that day when we will see God? Amen. That day that we will see him face to face in all of his glory and all of his beauty and all of his majesty and all of his uh, splendor. And I could go on and on, but there's coming a day when we will see him in his fullness. Amen. And I'm looking forward to that day. We need to remember the words of Paul who said for now or today we see in a mirror dimly. But then we will see him face to face. Now we know in part, but then we shall know him fully, even as we are known. How many of you know God knows every single thing there is to know about you and me? And there's coming a day when we will be able to know every single thing there is to know about God. Amen. And I'm looking forward to that day. And what Jesus is teaching his disciples is that those individuals that are pure in heart will enjoy that day. Those individuals that are pure in heart will get to see God and know God, not just see him briefly, 
but come into the fullness of his presence and not just know him briefly, but fully know him. And this is what Jesus is talking about. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. But the reality is, if you study this passage and you study the the Greek and the Hebrew, like I try to do with all of these to give us a good understanding, the reality is Jesus' statement goes much deeper than it appears. It goes much deeper than just seeing. It goes much deeper than just getting a glimpse of God. And it goes much deeper than just having an opportunity to glance at God. According to the Greek and the Hebrew terminology which Jesus uses here, they won't just see, but they will possess as well. Jesus is actually teaching that the pure in heart are the recipients of what the Lord allows them to see. You see, the reality is we serve a God that's so good that whatever He allows you to see, He allows you to have. Amen? You see, the reality is if God shows you something, you should have the faith that you can have that something. The reality is that's this is the kind of God we serve, and this is what Jesus is actually teaching His disciples. He's, he, the comment that He's making about seeing God goes much deeper. It's not just seeing. It's about receiving as well. Blessed are the pure in heart, Jesus is saying, for everything that the Lord permits them to see will be theirs. Remember, he's already taught us that the kingdom of heaven is ours. He's already taught us that that we shall inherit the earth. Now he's teaching us that everything we see shall be ours as well. I don't know about you, but that kind of excites me a little bit. that that, that, That I don't serve a God that just dangles carrots in front of me. If he shows it to me, he's allowing me to have it. If he shows you a promise, he's going to give you that promise. If he shows you a blessing, he's going to give you that blessing. Just like he he showed the the children of Israel the promised land, that promised land was theirs. Now listen, a lot of them didn't inherit that promise, but it wasn't God's fault. It was theirs. Why? Because they walked in disobedience. Why? Because they didn't have a pure heart. The reality is, if you want to receive your promise, you don't want to just see it, you want to receive it, you've got to be pure in heart. And this is what Jesus is teaching his disciples. The truth is the pure in heart don't just get to see God. They get to taste him as well. You understand what I'm saying? They they get to taste and see that God is good. They get to see and they get to partake of the goodness and the richness and the fullness of our Lord. I don't know about you, but I'm glad, like I said, that I get to do more than see God. I get to partake of God. There's coming a day when I get to just get to do more than just see God. I get to partake of God. I get to experience the fullness of God in my life. And he's promising that same thing. To every individual that is pure in heart. Listen, the pure in heart don't just get to look at the banqueting table. They get to sit at the banqueting table. The pure in heart don't just get to look at the the meal that is set out before them. They get to partake of that meal that is set out before them. They don't just get to look at the king. They get to dine with the king and sit with the king and, and sup with the king. And they get to have fellowship with the king. They get to know him fully. This is what Jesus is teaching us when he says, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God they get to come into his presence and not just look at him they get to know him fully I hope you understand that God's more than some empty little idol that we can only look at I hope you understand that we have a God that's more than a little trinket you put up on a shelf that's been made by the hands of man that has no power and has no glory and has no beauty and has no ability to let us know Him. There's a lot of individuals out there in the world that are worshiping idols that they they can't know. 
I want you to understand that Jehovah God is the only God that can be fully known. Jehovah God is the only God that fully knows us, and He's the only God we can fully know. And this is what Jesus is talking about. Blessed are those that are pure in heart, for they shall see God and know Him fully. This is what we need to understand. Blessed are those that are pure in heart because they don't only, they don't only get to go up to heaven and look at a banqueting table. They're actually called to sit down and dine with the king. And it's only the, it's only the pure in heart that will have that opportunity, church. He can be fully known. And this is what Jesus is referring to in this passage. They shall see and know and possess. This is the depth of the the teaching that Christ is putting before the disciples concerning the pure in heart. They will see God. They will partake of His presence and His promise. And they will enjoy what they see because they are pure in heart. Psalm 24, 3-5 says, David asks this question and he answers it himself. I enjoy reading the Psalms and David's writings because so often he answers, he asks questions and he turns right around and he answers them himself. Amen. I do the same thing sometimes. You know, we go through life. We know the answer. We ask the question, but we know the answer. And David is doing the same exact thing. And he says, who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? He's actually saying, who gets to come into the presence of the king? Who gets to look upon his face? Who gets to sit at the table with the king? Who gets to enjoy the the, the fellowship of the king? Who will see God is the question that he asks. And he turns right around and he answers it. And he says, he that hath a clean hands and he who has a pure heart, he who has not lifted up his soul to another or lifted up his soul unto vanity or sworn deceitfully he shall receive the blessing of the lord those that are pure in heart this is exactly what jesus is speaking to the disciples this is exactly what jesus is saying to them when he says blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see god he's saying they are the ones that shall ascend into the hill of the lord they are the ones that shall sit at his table they are the ones that shall stand in his holy place they are the ones that will know him fully is exactly what jesus is saying they meaning those who are pure in heart shall see god and no one else Understand, not everyone will see God. We have to realize and understand as loving as God is and how gracious as God is, not everyone will see God. Not everyone will inherit eternal life. Not everyone will behold His glory and His goodness. Not everyone will see His majesty. Not everyone will see His beauty. Not everyone will know Him fully. They might know an aspect of Him which is that of wrath and that of judgment, but not everyone will know Him fully or see Him fully. Not everyone will be able to look upon His face and know Him as He should be known. Not everyone, the Bible tells us, will taste and see that the Lord is good or hear the words, Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Because Jesus Himself said, Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, on that day shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is saying, Not everyone that calls me Lord and not everyone that calls me Master and not everyone that calls me Teacher shall see God. It's exactly what He's teaching. Just because you come to church doesn't mean you're going to see God. 
Just because you carry a big Bible doesn't mean you're going to see God. Just because you can quote some Scripture. Tell me, the devil can quote Scripture. Just because you know some of this stuff doesn't mean you're going to see God. Jesus makes it very clear that the only ones that are going to see the Father are the ones that are pure in heart. The only ones that are going to see the Father are the ones that have been washed. The only ones that are going to see the Father are the ones that are cleansed and separated unto God. They're the only ones that are going to see God. And this is what Jesus is teaching the disciples. And He's teaching them so He can teach the world that is deceived into thinking that there's other ways to the Father. I want you to understand you're living in a society where, where the, this society thinks there's a thousand ways to God. And there's not. There's only one way to the Father, and that is through the blood of Jesus Christ. There's only one way to the Father, and it's through the blood that makes me clean. And the blood that makes me pure. And if you don't know that, you can't tell the world that. If you don't understand that, you'll never direct the world to Jesus Christ. You'll never have an effect like God expects us to have an effect. Only the pure in heart shall see God. Not everyone will behold His glory, like I said. Not everyone will enter into the kingdom of heaven. But for those who do, for those who do have a pure heart, everything they see shall be theirs. Please understand that. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Theirs is the kingdom, and they will inherit the earth. Like I said, the pure in heart won't just get to see the pearly gates. They'll get to walk through the pearly gates. You understand what I'm saying? God won't take the righteous up to heaven and say, Oh, look at those beautiful pearly gates. Stand here through eternity. Understand the pure in heart. They get to walk through those gates into the kingdom of God. They don't just get to look at the streets of gold. They get to walk on the streets of gold. They don't just get to look at a, at a, at a home in heaven. They get to live in a home in heaven. That's the pure in heart. They don't just get to look at the banqueting table like I said. They sit at it. They don't get to just look at the chicken that's on the table. They get to eat the chicken that's on the table. They don't just get to look at the cup. They get to pick up that cup with Jesus and drink it with Him and know Him fully. That's what the pure in heart get to look forward to. Pure in heart shall see God. We need to understand the depth of this comment and conversation that Jesus is having with the disciples. And He wants to have that same conversation with you. How many of you want to see God? How many of you want to sup with Him and dine with Him and know Him fully like He knows us? Then we've got to be pure in heart. And we've got to understand this teaching that Jesus is, is granting to His disciples. You have to understand the truth is, if you want to behold His glory and His goodness, if you want to see God, you've got to have a pure heart, like I said. If you want to, like Moses, talk to God like someone talks to a friend. If you want to be like Moses, who met with God in the temple... who met with God in the temple, then you've got to be pure in heart. Listen, that's the kind of relationship we can have with God. That's the kind of relationship we can have with the Father. You can't have that with a little statue you put up on a shelf. You can't have that kind of relationship with the fat little Buddha that sits up on a bookshelf. You can't have that kind of relationship. You can bow down for nothing. You can offer up prayers for nothing. But you can't know Him like we can know God. And Jesus is telling us, listen, if you want to know about the kingdom, if you want to know God, you've got to be pure in heart. I want to know God. Listen, Paul's main desire, Paul wanted to so know God, he wanted to even know Him in his death. He wanted to know Him in his suffering. He wanted to know what it was like to suffer like Jesus. He just wanted to know Him. 
And the reality is the only way we can know Him in any aspect is to, is to be pure in heart. Listen, there's no better time to fully know God than when you're going through hell and high water. There's no better time to know God fully than when the lights are out and you, you can't seem to find your way. There's no better time to know Him fully than when the enemy is round about you trying to destroy you. You see, in every occasion, the pure in heart can fully know God. Not just when the sun's shining, not just when they're on a mountaintop. The pure in heart can know God every moment of their life, no matter what they're going through. And listen, when you know God, you can stand in the face of the enemy. When you know Him like He should be known, you can be like David in front of a nine-foot Goliath and say, You come to me in the name of fear, but guess what? I come against you in the name of Jehovah. Because He knew God. And He knew God because He had a pure heart, church. That is the consequence. That is the reward. That is the gift. That is the natural outcome of having a pure heart. Knowing God. And when you know God, your life is different. When you know God, you talk different. When you know God, you dress different. When you know God, you do business different. When you know God, you dance a little different. When you know God, you worship different. You sing different. You look different. When you know God... And the only way we can know God at that level is to have a pure heart. But please understand and listen to me. You can't make your heart clean yourself. You can't purify yourself like the Pharisees thought they could. You need the blood of Jesus Christ. You need the work of Jesus Christ. You need the cross of Jesus Christ in your life. And without it, you're impure. Without it, I'm, I'm like filthy rags. Without it, I'm unjust and I'm unrighteous and I'm ungodly and I'm unclean. But when I have the blood of Jesus, when I have the, the robe of righteousness that is provided to me through the cross of Jesus Christ, then I can know Him. I can know Him, church. This is what Jesus is trying to teach the disciples. If you want to see God, you've got to have a heart that's been broken and bowed before the Lord. He's teaching his disciples at this level, at this verse in the sermon or this verse in the Beatitudes. He almost makes them think backwards by thinking and saying, if you want to see God, it starts with a broken and a contrite heart like I've taught you in the past weeks. Listen, if you don't have a broken and contrite heart, you're never going to see God. And this is what he's teaching. If you've got a broken, if you want to see God, you, we've got to have a broken and a contrite heart. That's been bowed down before the Lord. If you want to see God, you've got to have a heart that's humbled itself in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord can lift you up into heavenly places. Listen, I can't lift myself into heavenly places. There's only one person that can put me in heavenly places. And that's God the Father and the Holy Spirit. And when I'm pure in heart and I've been washed in the blood, when I humble myself in the sight of the Lord, guess what? God Almighty reaches down and He does something in my life and He lifts me above my sin and seats me in heavenly places. He puts me in that place that I can know Him fully, that I can see Him and receive everything that He has for me. But it all begins with a broken and a contrite heart. If we want to see God, church... You've got to have a servant's heart. You've got to have a heart that hungers and thirsts after righteousness sake and the character of Christ like we've learned. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they and they alone shall see God. I said it before. The unrighteous won't see God. The ungodly won't see God. The heart that's not been broken won't see God. 
The heart that's not been humbled in the sight of the Lord. The heart that has no hunger for God. The heart that hasn't cried out for mercy will not and cannot see God according to the Bible. Nothing in heaven will be theirs, church, because they are not pure in heart. Please grasp this and understand and, and understand why it's so important for us to let our light so shine before men that they might see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. Understand why it's so important for us to be salt and light. Because the reality is, church, unless we do our job, unless we preach the gospel, unless we shed some light into a dark world, all of the individuals out in the world will not see God. They will not experience one aspect of God. They won't get the taste of God and see that He is good. There is nothing about the kingdom of God that the unrighteous and the unsaved will ever taste of. They will taste of eternal death. They will taste of eternal damnation. They will taste of God's wrath and taste of God's judgment and taste of God's uh, uh, power and authority. But they will not taste and see that He is good. Why do you think God said, let your light so shine before men so that they might see, church? Please get that. Because they're in a world where they can't see anything. They're in a world of darkness and they can't see light. The only place they're going to see it is in you. And the only place they're going to see it in me. And if I don't shine my light, they won't see. And if they can't see God... Listen, they can't receive God. If they can't see the kingdom, they can't receive the kingdom. If they can't see God, they can't have access to, to, to anything, church. Because you have to see to receive. Whatever God shows you, then we can receive it. But if they're in darkness, they can't receive it. So I don't want to get off track, but let your light so shine, church, so that these individuals might see. The unrighteous will not see God, and nothing in heaven will be theirs. The unrighteous will only know God's wrath and judgment. They won't know Him fully. They, they can't see Him fully. They won't stand before a loving Father, church, at, at full of goodness and, and blessing. These individuals that are, that are impure and unrighteous, and they're only unrighteous because they've not received the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? You see, look, every single one of us, before we received the blood of Jesus, I don't care how often we came to church, we were unrighteous until we received the blood of Jesus Christ, until the light of Christ was shown into our lives. But these individuals, they won't stand before a loving God who's full of goodness and blessing. They won't know Jehovah Jireh as their provider. They won't know Jehovah Shalom, the the Prince of Peace. They won't know church. The, the one El Shaddai whose, whose grace is sufficient for them. They, they won't know Jehovah Makedash, the one who purifies them, the one that makes them clean, the one that has washed away your sin and the, the one that has washed away my sin. They won't know Him, church. And that's why they have to be shown Him through you and me. The unrighteous will stand before Jesus Christ as a righteous judge who will sentence them for their sin. But please understand me, they won't see God fully. And they won't know Him fully. Only the pure in heart will be able to stand before God and know Him fully and possess what they are shown. Only the pure in heart are in a position to see God. Only the pure in heart are in a position to receive from God. Only the pure in heart are in a position... 
to understand God, to see God, to know God in a position to be blessed. It's why Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart. He didn't say, blessed are the polluted. He didn't say, blessed are the unrighteous. He didn't say, blessed are the ungodly. Because listen to me, I want you to understand that purity is a position before God. Purity is a position that if we find ourselves in that place of purity, it opens up the windows of heaven into our life, and it doesn't matter what the devil tries to do, he can't stop God's goodness from coming into your life. This is what you and I have to understand. If we are not living, moving, breathing, operating in a, from a position of purity, we can't know God. We can't see His goodness in our life. We have to find our way to that place of purity so that the power of God and the knowledge of God and the wisdom of God and the blessings of God can flow into our lives, church. Please understand that. If we're out of position, it's not God's fault. If we move out of this place of purity by touching all of the unclean things, by loving on the world instead of loving on God, if we go out there and we taint our lives and, and make our own lives impure and, and, and it keeps us from receiving God's blessings, guess what? It's not His fault. It's our fault. But the reality is the house of God is filled with individuals who have yet to position themselves in a place of purity and they get all ticked off at God because He ain't blessing them. They get all upset because the goodness of God's not coming into their life. They're sleeping around out of wedlock. They're shocking up outside of marriage. They're looking at pornography and vile entertainment and laughing at it as they do. They're putting things into their body that don't belong in their body. They're disobeying God. They're grieving God in their body instead of obeying God in their body. And they wonder why they're not blessed. They wonder why their lights are off. They wonder why there's no food in their cupboard. They wonder why they can't put gas in their car. They wonder why they're not blessed. Why? Because you're not living in a place of purity. And when God doesn't provide for them, guess what they do? They come and knock on the church's door. Or they go knock on someone else's door. Well, listen to me, church. If God won't provide, why should the church? If God won't provide, why should your next door neighbor? If you're living in a place of sin and impurity, why should anyone bless you? Why should the government bless you? You want to be blessed, position yourself in a place of purity. Now listen, that's not to say you can be living in a, in a place of purity and still have hardship in your life. In this world you will have trouble, the Bible says. Jesus said, but guess what? He said, be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. I've overcome that difficulty. I've overcome that lack. I've overcome that sorrow. I've overcome the enemy at the cross, church. But guess who he's done that for? He's overcome it for the pure in heart. He wages war for those who, who walk uprightly before him. He wages war and goes to war against the enemy for those who love him with all of their heart, mind, and soul, and strength. He looks at the unrighteous and he waits for them to position themselves in a place of purity. He looks at the unrighteous and he waits for that heart to break. He looks at the unrighteous and he waits for that knee to bend. He, he waits for the unrighteous to fall down and shed a tear and mourn over the, the sin that they've allowed in their life. That's what he does to the un... He waits, church. 
And every day is a moment of grace, waiting for that individual to fall on their knees and cry out, Have mercy on me, O God, I'm a sinner. And as soon as they do, they put themselves in a position of purity, and the windows of heaven open up into their life. And they begin to know God like they've never known God before. You want to know why people don't have revelation? Why people don't have direction? Why people labor and tarry trying to figure out what God wants for their life? It's because they got impurity in their life and they can't hear from God. It's because they're in a, they're not in a position of purity. They're in a position of compromise. They're in a place of pollution. They've been touching the things of this world and the things of this earth and they've been giving themselves to, to another God. The Bible says. And God says, I won't bless that. I won't anoint that. I won't advance that. I I, I won't smile on that. I know some of us don't like to hear that. We we like to hear the the cotton candy and the the bubblegum sermons. We like to be like those in the Old Testament that say, tell me lies. Tell me sweet little lies. I don't want to hear this stuff. But please listen. It's the only way we will ever see God. It's the only way we will ever know Him fully. It's the only way that we will have revelation that's divine. It's the only way that the kingdom of God will come into our life. Church, here and later, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Only the pure in heart will see God. 2 Corinthians 16.9 says, The eyes of the Lord wander to and fro across the whole earth, looking for those to whom He can show Himself mighty. He's looking for someone that He can reveal His glory to. He's looking for someone that He can reveal His might to and His power to and His presence to. He understand what I'm saying? He's looking for someone that He can reveal His fullness to. He wants every one of us to know Him as Jehovah Jireh. He wants every one of us to know Him as Jehovah Nissi, or Jehovah Rapha, or Jehovah Sabaoth, or Jehovah Mekadesh. He wants us to know Him as El Shaddai. He wants us to fully know Him, church. Every aspect that there is to know of Him. He wants us to know Him as He knows us, to to fully be known. He wants us, and I know that He doesn't have hair on His head because He's God. But just like He knows the number of hairs on our head, He wants us to know the number of hairs on His head. Just like He is intimately acquainted with all of our ways, He wants us to be intimately acquainted with Him in all of His ways, in all of His dealings. In all of His teachings, in all of His Word, in all of, of what he, he gives us facts, He wants us to know Him, church. And we can't do that unless we are pure in heart. Listen, if you're struggling to see the handiwork of God in your life, if you're struggling to see His promises fulfilled, if you're struggling to see His power and His might manifested in your life, church, it's not His fault, like I said. We simply might be out of position We simply might not be where we need to be in regards to this thing called purity. And I'm not preaching this in a condemning way to you. I'm telling you, I've been there myself. Every single one of us have to be willing to to question where we are in position to God. 
We have to ask ourselves on a regular basis, have I allowed the impurities of this world to taint my relationship, taint my impurity? Have I allowed something to come into my life that keeps me from knowing God fully? It's a question we all have to be willing to ask, church. Before I get up here every Wednesday night, and please, I don't like to talk about myself like this, but, but every Wednesday night, and I'm not saying it to brag, I'm saying it because I understand the importance of what Jesus is trying to teach. I have to ask God to purify me through and through, to examine me through and through, to strip away everything that's not like Him, so that when I get up here, you can see Him, and so that you can hear Him, church. And it's exactly what you should do too. You should ask the Lord that same thing every single day. And listen, I can't quit doing it on Thursday morning. I can't rely on the fact that I preached a good word on Wednesday night that a lot of people jumped and shouted and hallelujahed. That's not a judge. That's not, that's not how I judge my purity and righteousness. I judge my purity and righteousness based on whether or not I'm obeying God and that I'm giving Him access to my life. I judge it by how much I know Him. Do I know Him fully? Is there an element in my life where I'm still lacking in my knowledge and understanding of God? And you know what that means? It means there's something in the way. It might not be some vile thing, church. Please understand that God may ask you to separate yourself from some things that there's nothing wrong with in the eyes of God. But it's as a demonstration of your devotion to Him. And when you do that, He'll reveal Himself greater. What do you think fasting and all those things are about? It's to demonstrate my, my deep devotion to God. And when in a time of fasting, it's the very sustenance that you need, the very thing you can't live without. God designed you to not be able to live without food and water. But when you go into fasting, you're saying, God, I want to know you better. And I'm willing to set even this very thing aside that I need to survive just so I can know you better. This is exactly what Jesus is trying to teach his disciples and what we have to understand as well. It amazes me, like I said, how often we can find ourselves in this place outside of purity and wonder why we're not being blessed. Wonder why we're struggling. Wonder why the mighty work of God's not sweeping through our nation and sweeping through the churches. My Lord, the power of God should be running through every single church in the United States of America. And it's not God's fault that it's not happening. It's ours, church. It's not God's fault that He's not moving. There's something wrong in the church. There's something wrong in His people. We've mingled and mixed with the things of this world, and then we wonder why God's miracles aren't being poured out. Because we're not really pure in heart. Because we've not consecrated and dedicated ourselves unto God. We wonder why our marriages are a mess, because we've let all kinds of junk into our marriage. We wonder why our minds are a mess, because we've let all kinds of junk into our minds. We wonder why our family's a mess, because we've allowed all kinds of junk through the television screen. We wonder why our kids are a mess, because we've allowed a a lot of junk to come through the literature that they read, and the music that they read, and the things we allow them to put in their room. We wonder why we're a mess, church! Listen, those messes are the result of impurity. Those messes are a result of unrighteousness. Those those messes are a result of disobedience. 
Because the Bible tells me that when I am pure in heart, I shall see God. And His everything about Him will be manifested in my life. This is what Jesus is trying to teach the disciples, church. Please understand, I always want you to go back to understand the call that was on the disciples' life. They were about to change the world. They were about to change history. They were about to give birth to the New Testament church. They were about to do something mighty. They were about to shake the gates of hell. They were about to wage war against Satan himself and one third of the heavenly host. This was not some little picnic they were getting ready for. They were getting ready to march against Hades itself. And Jesus was teaching them, this is what it will take for that to happen. And this is what it'll take for you too. Sometimes we think we're on a little picnic with God. We're in the middle of a war, church. We're fighting against hell and Satan himself. And we've got to be willing to learn what his disciples learned. Excuse me for squeaking. I'm getting excited. But this is what God is trying to teach us. And unless we're willing to submit and yield ourselves to the teaching of the disciples, we can't be a disciple. We'll be an onlooker. We might be a churchgoer. We can be a lot of different things. But unless we're willing to put ourselves at the feet of Jesus like the disciples did, we're not a disciple. Unless we're willing to listen to this teaching on the parable or the teaching on the Beatitudes... We can't truly call ourselves a disciple, church. I can't. We can't unless we're willing to do what God has called us to do. Please understand we can't expect anything from God if our hearts and hands are dirty. If we're walking on a polluted path, church. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are those who have offered themselves to God as a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, church. Blessed are those who have been washed in the blood of the Lamb, because they shall see God. The word pure, and this is where I'm going to get into a little bit of teaching as I begin to wind this down. I know I've got some time, but the word pure, because this is what we have to understand, that Jesus uses in the Greek is katharos, and it means cleansed or purified. It means purged. And I know it might sound contradictory, but Jesus is actually saying this. He's saying, blessed are those who once were dirty. Blessed are those who once were defiled. Blessed are those who once were unclean. Blessed are those who once were unrighteous, but now they're not. Something happened. Something, you see, listen to me. Every one of us are unrighteous. But what he's saying are blessed are those who once were unclean, but now they're clean. Blessed are those who once were unrighteous, but now they're righteous. Blessed are those who were filled with pollution, but now have been made pure, not on their own, but through the work of Jesus Christ, who have yielded themselves to the teaching and the work of the cross and allowed the blood to purge them and make them whole. This is what Jesus is saying. Blessed are those who once were, but now they are this. Blessed are those who once were lost, but now are found. Blessed are those who are blind, but now they see. You understand what I'm saying? This is what Jesus is teaching them. Blessed are those who once were dirty, but now they are clean. Blessed are those who had a heart of stone, but now they have a heart of flesh. They're blessed because they allowed the work of Christ to do something in their life. They're blessed 
And they're pure because they allowed the blood of Jesus to do something in their life. You understand what I'm saying? They're clean not because they act like a Pharisee. They're clean not because they carry a big Bible. They're clean not because they come to church. They're clean not because they serve in a ministry. And listen, I'm not saying don't do those things. Those are a byproduct of our devotion to God. But if that's the only thing you think makes you clean, you miss the whole thing. If you think the only thing that's clean is religious duty and activity like the Pharisees, you miss the whole concept of the blood and the cross of Jesus Christ. You can't be clean without the blood. You can't be washed without the cross. And this is what Jesus is teaching us. Listen, the reality is if you've never been washed, you'll never see God. If you've never been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, you will never see God. If you have never been broken, if you've never had a broken and a contrite heart, you will never see God. If you've never repented over your sins, you will never see God. If you have never been humbled in heart, if you've never cried out like the publican, have mercy on me, O God, by recognizing yourself as a sinner, you will never see God. You won't see God. It's why it's so important again, church, for us to be salt and be, for us to be light. Listen, I, I, I don't want to get off track here, but I'm, I'm probably going to do another series about the title I want it to be is the 10, 10, 10 dumb things that Christians do that are counterproductive to the faith. And, and one of those things, just a, one of those things is inviting people to church instead of inviting people to Christ. I want you to understand God nowhere in the word ever asked you to invite someone to church. He asked you to invite them to Christ. The church won't save the soul. Christ will save the soul. And here's what we need to understand. Listen, without Christ, they're lost. I don't care how many times you invite them to church. Somewhere along the line, they've got to be invited to Jesus. Because he's the only one that can save them. Amen. And don't wait to get him to church to invite him to Christ. Invite him at the workplace. Invite him in a parking lot. Invite him in a restaurant. Invite him wherever you talk to. Invite them to Jesus. Because he's the one that will save their soul, church. Here's what we need to understand. Not get back on track. The word Greek word is katharos. It means cleansed, purified, purged. It means Jesus is speaking of of being unmixed and unmingled with anything else, like I've already said. Purity means, according to the words Jesus is using, is spotless and stainless. It means being thus and no other. It means no additives, no preservatives, no extras, no filler, no nothing. It It means one thing and one thing only. You see, when you go by Tropicana, they're proud of saying that we're 100% apple juice. No additives, not from concentrate. When you go and get Hershey's milk chocolate, they say 100% pure milk chocolate. What does that mean? It means there's nothing else in there except pure milk chocolate. Tropicana says it's 100% apple juice. It means there's no grape juice in there. It means there's no water in there. It means there's nothing else. It means it's what it says it is. 100% apple juice. 100% pure milk chocolate. And listen, when we call ourselves a Christian, guess what we're supposed to be? 100% pure like Jesus Christ. It means nothing else added. Nothing about the world. Nothing like the world. It means we are supposed to be 100% just like Jesus. Jesus. And when we're not, we're false advertisement. When we're not, we're really not a Christian. If you call yourself a Christian, listen, there's plenty of times in my life where I'm ashamed that I've given myself the title Christian because there's times in my life I'm not like Jesus. 
times in my life I'm not like Him. But thank God, I can put myself in a position of prayer and repentance and say, God, I need your touch. I need your forgiveness. I need you to take away this pride. I need you to take away this stain of sin that I've brought upon my life. I need you to forgive me for defiling this temple, and I need you to wash me. I need you to catharos me, purge me, and purify me, and make me clean, so that I can be again like Jesus. This is what Jesus is really is trying to teach the disciples, church, that, that the only way that we can have an effect in this world is by being 100% pure like Christ. I know that's a struggle. I know that's a difficult thing for us to do, church. But the reality is, we can be that way. If we allow the Holy Spirit, and we allow the Word, and we allow God, and we allow the Spirit to control our lives, and not those other things. We shouldn't be controlled. To be pure in heart means this. It means that I'm not controlled. I don't allow gossip in my life. I don't allow backbiting in my life. Why? Because that's, that's nothing like Jesus. It's everything like Lucifer. It's nothing like Jesus. But if I'm going to call myself a Christian, it means I can't, I can't take the things of the world and add them to my life. Why do you think Paul said, we've got to be willing to strip away every weight, every, every single thing that besets us, so that we might run with endurance the race that Christ has set before us? And he wants us to run that race in purity, church. We've got to be willing on a regular basis to strip away all of those things, to allow God to catharos us or purge us and cleanse us on a regular basis, church. This is what it ultimately means when Jesus uses this word, pure. It means free from what devalues, free from what weakens or pollutes. And the reality is, If we're all honest with ourselves, we're willing to say that there's been plenty of times where we've allowed some things to come in and devalue our testimony. Plenty of times where we've allowed the devil to come in and devalue this title Christian in our life or believer in our life or son or daughter of God in our life. Plenty of times we've weakened our testimony. Plenty of times we've allowed the things of this world to pollute our thoughts or pollute our speech or pollute our marriage, pollute the way we do business. Listen, there's plenty of times we even allowed the things of this world to pollute our praise to the Father. Coming into the house of God with all kinds of junk on our mind, with all kinds of things that we've done throughout the week. Listen, that's pollution. I'm not saying this to condemn. I'm saying that we need to understand and begin to recognize those pollutants in our life and ask the power of the Holy Spirit to come in and wash us and cleanse us so that we can put ourselves in this place to know Him fully. Amen? And this is what God wants. He's asking tonight, how many of you want to know Him fully? How many of you want to see Him? Listen, we don't have to wait until we're on the other side of glory to know Him, church. We don't have to wait till we're on the other side of glory to see Him and to receive the things that He has for us. We can do that today. We can do it right now as long as we're pure in heart. And if we're not pure in heart, all we have to do, and this is what I'm closing with, all we've got to do is remember the words of David who said this. He cried out after an ultimate act of sin in his life. You know the ultimate act of sin in his life. 
I mean, he lied, fornicated, he killed, he murdered, he, he connived, he, he did all those sorts of things. And he, he, he had broken fellowship with the Father. He allowed his testimony to become polluted. He allowed the things of the world to come in and taint who he was. He was the king of Israel. He was the anointed king. He was the spokesperson for God, for the children of Israel, for the, the chosen nation, for the royal priesthood, for the holy nation. He was the king, the top dog. He was it. And he polluted it all. He ruined the testimony. He almost devastated the entire kingdom. And after recognizing how much he polluted and tainted his testimony and the kingdom of God, I'm only going to read part of it, but Psalm 51 is his cry of repentance. Read it. Anytime you find yourself needing to be cleansed, read Psalm 51. Read it. Let it be your own prayer. But he said, hide thy face from my sins, O God, and blot out all of my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, he said, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. You see, the reality is, and I'm going to read more, but there are times where we have to recognize that we have so displeased God that we are utterly afraid that he will pull his Holy Spirit from us. If we never tremble at the thought that he might pull his Holy Spirit from me, that he might pull his presence out of my life, I don't believe we can be pure. I don't believe if we don't are, are that sensitive to how great we can grieve God by our speech, by our conduct, by our attitudes, by our temper, by our anger, by all of these things that we do that we, that we think that God actually, we've so, we've so grieved Him that He'll pull His Holy Spirit from me. We have to be willing to come to that place where we so recognize the possibility that we've polluted our relationship with God, that that's our cry. God, search me, forgive me, cleanse me. Take not thy Holy Spirit with me. I've got a foul spirit within me, but renew a right spirit within me. And in Psalms 139, he says this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way within me. See if there be any impurity within me. He said, and lead me in the way of everlasting. Lead me in the path of purity for thy name's sake. And this is what our cry needs to be. If we want to be pure in heart, we've got to be willing to pray that prayer. If you're here tonight and you say, God, I'm willing to pray that prayer because I know there's some things in my life. They might not be vulgar, vile sins, but there's some things in my life, God, that have kept me from knowing you fully. That have kept me from experiencing the kingdom of God in my life. And I'm willing to put those on the altar tonight. If that's you, I just want you to stand with me. And that's what we're going to pray together. We're going to ask that God come and purify us, cleanse us, put us in right position so that we can receive everything that he has for us. Amen. We're going to pray a prayer of purity tonight. We're going to put ourselves in that place. And here's this is what I stress before I pray. You can't do it yourself. You need the Holy Spirit. You need God. You need Jesus. You need the blood. You need the cross. The individual that thinks he can get to heaven all on his own is a fool. You understand what I'm saying? We need Jesus. We need Jesus to cleanse us and Jesus to purify us. Jesus to wash our consciences. Jesus to wash our hands and wash our hearts and wash our feet. It's exactly what we need. Amen? 
So I want you, you examine your life. You allow the Holy Spirit to come in and pray to examine you. And let's get those impurities out so we can see God. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just praise you for your word this evening. I thank you for the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit in our midst and in our presence. I thank you. You're faithful to the fact that you said, God, if two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. I thank you, Father, that we haven't gathered here alone this evening. I thank you that we haven't gathered in the name of Jeff or we haven't gathered in the name of South Metro Ministries, even though that's the name of the church. We have gathered in the name of Jehovah God. We have gathered in the name of Jesus, the name which is above every name. That name which one day will be spoken, every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I pray, God, that there's not a single individual that waits until that day to confess you as Lord. I pray that tonight, even now, Father God, that we're willing to step off the throne of our heart. That we're willing to step off the throne of pride and selfishness and stubbornness. And we are willing to open up our heart and allow you access, God. I pray that we would take off our crown and lay down our scepter and take off our robe. And grant you access and authority over our life. I pray, God, that even now you would sit on that throne, God. And that before you do, that you would cleanse us and that you would purify us. Because, God, you won't sit on a throne that's impure and you won't sit on a throne that's unclean. So, God, our prayer is that you would search us tonight, like David said. That you would know our every thought. That you would know, Father God, the the very soil of our soul. God, that you would search us through and through. That you would see tonight, O God, if there's any wicked, impure way within us. God, that if there's anything of this world within our heart, anything of this world, God, that has tainted our testimony, that has soiled our soul, God, in a negative way. I pray, God, that you would reveal it to us. I pray that you would forgive us of our sins and our selfishness and our wickedness and our pride and our greed and our envy, God. I pray that you would forgive us, O God, of the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life that we are so easily given to, even myself, O God. I pray that the power of the blood of Jesus would wash us and purge us and cleanse us and make us pure in heart tonight, O God. Help us to strip away every weight that so easily besets us, O God. Help us to allow the blood of Jesus Christ to come and cleanse us and wash us and make us anew so that we might see God, so that we might know you fully like you know us, so that we might enjoy divine revelation and and divine truths in our life, that we might find divine direction for every step of our life, O God. Forgive us for the times that we lean on our own understanding and lean on our own wisdom and lean on our own positions of power in life. Forgive us for the times, God, that we leave you out of the decision, Lord. Forgive us for the times that we walk before you instead of allowing you to walk before us. Forgive us, Father God, for doing what is right in our own eyes instead of what is right in the eyes of a gracious, loving God. Thank you for every moment of grace that you have bestowed upon your people, God. It's another opportunity for us to get it right. It's another opportunity for us to say, forgive me. It's another opportunity for us to say, have mercy on me this moment, O God. And forgetting about ourselves for just a moment, God, turn our eyes to the lost. 
turn our eyes to those individuals, Father God, in our family and within our fellowship and even strangers that are walking in darkness, God, and they need to come into the light. I pray, God, that you would teach us to be salt and teach us to be light. Help us, Father, to be so pure that the light of Jesus Christ lights the way for others to the cross of Jesus Christ. I pray, God, that you would help us to deny ourselves and take up the cross and follow you like you've called us to follow you, God. Help South Metro Ministries to be a place of purity, God, a place of holiness and righteousness where the power of God descends upon your people, where the mighty works of God can be manifested in this place, God. Father God, tonight we lay ourselves upon the altar, God, as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto you. God, that's the kind of worship you're looking for, God. It's that which comes from a broken and a contrite heart. So God, cleanse us tonight. Purify us and make us whole. So that we might be salt and so that we might be light. So that we might see you and know you. And so that others might see you and know you as well. Thank you again for your word and for your revelation. Establish it in the soil of our soul. Let it be an anchor, Father God, that holds us as we walk along the way this week. Thank you for your love and your mercy and your grace. And the purity that you have provided to the purity of your Son, Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, Amen. Let us bless the Lord together, church. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. If you have a special need, be happy to tarry and pray with you. Otherwise, go and be blessed and walk in purity as salt and light. Amen.